every credit card is different, but now a majority of them have this period called the grace period. So the way it works is this. You have your billing cycle. Let's say your billing cycle is begins September 10th and then ends October 9th. Payment is set up for like, let's say November 2nd. Between October 9th and November 2nd, that's your grace period, right? That you're not getting charged interest on the purchase that you made during that billing cycle. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, Relax your mind and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. Okay, welcome back to the higher standard, the number one financial literacy podcast in the world. Mm. Not the country. The world. The world. Globally. All around. Around the world. (laughs) Around the entire axis. For those of you who might be flat Earth fans, this is not your show. <laughs> yeah, this ain't it. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, everybody. Joe, should we um, explain the awkward intro? That's a little awkward. It, it feels incomplete. No, it feels pretty complete for me. I'm not gonna lie. Why? Why does it feel complete to you, Chris? So, so for for those of you who are not the day oneers, the five original fans, Said and I originally started this show in the garage. Your garage. My garage. And uh, we moved to a studio, which we're in, and we also added the powerful sound engineering brought to you by Arun. Mm. Wow, and powerful. Arun has a very, very pregnant wife. Very pregnant. So he could not make this week's episode. Not being a great husband, great father to his one-year-old. Yeah, do you think, man. That's, 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 that's what you're supposed to do. Speaking of his one-year-old. They threw an amazing first birthday pro over the weekend. It was. And I know this is your every, segue to telling everybody how you beat my ass at cornhole. Like every part of the birthday was amazing. Yeah. Even when I whooped that ass yeah, in cornhole. So <laughs> would not expect anything less than juvenile behavior, behavior like that. From I'm sorry. So, okay. So we are without our usual sound engineer. So you're going to get just sexy and semi-sexy all night long. Quasi-sexy. if you Quasi-sexy. So this week's show, we're going to cover David Solomon, one of my favorite in the business. He's the CEO over at Goldman Sachs. He made some comments as it relates to the economy. Mm. And I found his comments, as nebulous as they may ultimately sound to you, to be interesting. Mm -hmm. I I assume you found them interesting as well? Absolutely. Every time he speaks. Very interesting. Every time he speaks. Then we're going to talk a little bit about an article I found related to Americans having a particularly high amount of credit card debt. A lot. A lot. Close to a trillion. That's a lot of money. I believe 10 billion short of a trillion. Yeah. 
10 billion. The numbers start to bleed together, man. At some, <laughs> so at some point, it's just, it's just all egregious. And I thought, and I thought, given that we are the number one financial literacy podcast in the world, there's some information that we expect or we think that our listeners probably know, but we should probably go down maybe a little lesson on how to properly use a credit card. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. I got some of the, I got some of the, I got a whole like counter culture thing there about how I use credit cards. Oh, great. I All use right. them in a very different way. And I think everybody else should use them in a very different way. But I think everybody should use them as their primary way of paying for things, which is not a Dave Ramsey lesson. Yeah, the you opposite. Actually. It's the actual, yeah. it's the opposite. Yeah. But I will say, to, depending on what demographic you're speaking to, that might be a better solution for you. Speaking of Dave Ramsey. Not a whole lot of positivity for me to say right there. Um, I mean, later on this episode, um, I feel like you're going to go in pretty hard. Yep. Yep. That is correct. <laughs> I, um, I'm trying to pace myself, but I believe my show note says this motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> that all... is the entirety of my comment, yeah. <laughs> preparing everyone else for what I'm about to say. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a terrible human. We will talk about bonds. I think there's a lot of question um, by a lot of people who, who ping, I think, both site and myself, maybe even Arun, even though he doesn't have any friends, about how bonds work and about how they're supposed to be a secure investment, but people are very uncertain. And I got a great article from Axios on this, I think is, is valuable. Mm -hmm. But it goes to show you kind of where the treasuries are. But these are what are supposed to be the most secure types of debt in the market. Right. And the debt markets are ass backwards right One now. One of the safest investment tools. Allegedly. I, right. That's, that's Prior to this time in the economy where interest rate risk is kicking in. Right. But now it's not so safe. Yes. Dum, dum, dum. Dum, dum. Yeah. Oh, Dave Ramsey, what am I going to do with you? We'll talk a little bit about house prices to round out the episode. And then, just maybe then, we'll say we're done for the night. But knowing us, we'll go on for eternity. Because the room's not here. It's a party. Yeah, exactly. We get to go on for as long as we yeah. want. If the guy who controls everything yeah. and stops us from saying goofy shit isn't here. Yeah, exactly. He's not throwing up signs on the TV. Guys, wrap it up. Yeah, hey, man, you didn't cite that article right, man. <laughs> the viewers want to know, man. Yeah. Let's be honest. None of y'all care. Yeah. Y'all don't care. Never once. Nobody's come out and said, hey, man, thanks for sending the articles. Chris, you didn't. Yeah, I know. You know, we spent so much time putting the articles in the goddamn show notes. So much. They're in the show notes, people. Right. Ref do your homework. And in the newsletters that we haven't been sending out. Yeah, I have not been sending those out. And I got to tell you, the reason why I've not been sending them out is because nobody's giving me positive feedback. So if you listen to this and you actually like the newsletters, mm -hmm. we will continue to send it out. Everybody who's in podcasting has always told us, you know, you guys got to build your. Your mailing list, you got yeah. you got to make sure that people like the first build your newsletter, your yeah. email list. It's important for your brand. Right. And I'm like, but we're not selling anything. No, we're not selling. So anything what am I? Exactly. What do we? What do we do? But if you do like this show enough, whether you're listening on Apple or on Spotify, please do us a favor and go on and leave us an honest five star review. It really helps out the show, and it makes us feel like we're headed in the right direction. Because God knows, this show's not sponsored by anybody. It is not sponsored by anybody, but it should be sponsored by everybody. Should be. Should be. So let's see if we can play David Solomon here without breaking something. Mm. Let's turn the volume up here because we're doing it on our own. You like him for his hairstyle? Is that because he's bald? Don't yeah. don't make a bald joke. Uh oh. See, we have technical problems the first first time out the gate. See, look at say this this is why I can't take you anywhere. <laughs> this is my fault now. This is your fault now. Yeah. Let's see here. Yeah. This is working as well as his uh Apple savings accounts are. David Solomon? <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Really resilient. And um, 
I would say that uh, I have been surprised, you know, over the course of last year. I certainly predicted, given the economic tightening, we've seen, you know, a bumpier ride than we've had so far. You know, I still think we're at an uncertain moment. Um, and, you know, I just said at the conference here, while our economists, um, again, reduced their view on the chance of a recession in the U.S., I just think it's a period to be a little bit cautious. You know, I've got enormous respect for Jan Hatzius. You've always um, sounded more bearish than he is. You know, but, you know, he's been more right, you know, <laughs> at this point. And so I think we look at it, you know, I think we could muddle through here, you know, with a much softer landing than we would have expected. But I think if you're running a big financial institution or you're running a business at the moment, we still could have an environment where we have slow, sluggish growth and inflation a little bit more sticky. So I think you've got to be a little bit cautious. That might not be a recession, but it certainly would feel like a recession if we had an environment with zero to one percent growth and three and a half to four percent inflation. The U.S. economy has been incredibly okay, resilient. So he said a lot of the things that Jerome Powell said. The U.S. economy has been incredibly resilient. Mm-hmm. That we could see an economy with slow growth, but it'll feel like a recession. Mm. So I have a tremendous amount of respect for him. This is a CNBC interview. There was a big conference today where all the banks spoke, and he was one of the one of the people who spoke with Sarah Eisen for CNBC afterward. They always do these panels outside. There was a number of very prominent people in banking and investing that were speaking to CNBC, and he certainly was one of them. David Solomon, I've seen him speak in person. I've again, phenomenal speaker. Tremendous amount of respect for him. He was couching his fears of recession. If you're a business owner, yes. I don't know that you cannot be concerned. Have to be. Right? So as much as he's saying, like, I see a pathway for a potentially an exit without a recession, what he's describing is stagflation. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. And do you, do you remember the definition of stagflation? I'm going to quiz you right here, bro. Let's see. There's a recessionary economy with high unemployment. Right? Yeah. 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 Recessionary inflation. Right. So basically, he's describing an environment where we have recession-like trends and inflation is going up. Yes. That is still a recession. Exactly. It's recession plus something. Right. Yeah, and he's describing it saying, well, I can see a pathway out of it without a recession. But what he describes in describing this not recessionary economy scenario is, in fact, a recession yes. and stagflation. I've been hearing more and more about stagflation and going back to the early parts of call it 2021, breaking into 2022, when people were talking about, are we in a recession? Are we not? Stagflation was very prominent then because we saw all these things. Exactly. Here's what I'll say. There is a tremendous amount of uncertainty in the market and people are confused. Mm-hmm. I get messages every single day on social media talking about little things that people are seeing that give them the real-time data feedback that makes them feel like we are in a recession. Oh my God, yeah. Would you like some examples? I would like some. I think I have some too. All right, good. I got hit up today. I got a, I got a DM a voice message. I listen to those. If I don't respond to you, which is rare, I want you to know I always listen to him. And a guy was an early day one follower. Listen to the podcast since it was just me talking to myself in the garage before you even joined. Wow. That's how far back he goes. Yes. He knew all the stories, everything else. And he was like, hey, man, I know we're in a recession. I was like, how do you know? And he goes, on my block, I live in a very dense urban, like metropolitan area. Okay. On my block, it's hard to find parking during the week. But on Friday and Saturday nights up until later in the evening, you can always find parking because everybody's out. He's like, now you can't find parking anymore because nobody has the money to go out. Wow. So they're kicking it at home. These are the little signs that people are starting to notice. Those little signs. That's that real-time data. That, that, that you can't get that from these reports from the Fed or from these data aggregators or Moody's or Black Knight. This is stuff that's happening right now that people see that make them go, okay, we are in a recession. Right. And I think it's important to note here, uh, today is June 12th, right? Monday. 
We're going to be so proud of you right now. Yeah. Tomorrow, CPI comes out. Big, and the day after that is what? PPI is it? Or no, day it's... after that is the second day of the FOMC meeting. And then on Thursday, it's... Oh, re- that's right. Thursday's retail sales comes out. So... There's another one after CPI, though. I just can't remember what it is. I think it might be... It's either PC... PPI? I think it's PPI. It's something, it's something coming out on... It's two, two data points in a row before, before the Fed announcement. Okay. So I know they're going to have two coming out. I don't remember so what it was. So by the time this episode actually comes out, the Fed will have already made their decision, which we believe that they're likely going to pause. Um, a lot of people are now changing the vernacular to skip because they know that this isn't, gonna, just, this isn't the end of it. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you, man. So I, again, I was watching CNBC today, and I, there was some, a lot of brilliant commentary. And unlike most times where I see a lot of people speak about banking, mm-hmm. I think today there was a lot of articulate, well-thought-out comments. So I yeah. wasn't I wasn't frustrated looking at the television right. today. Right. But I will say every single person in the banking sector is is like they're they're cautiously optimistic, but they don't want to say we can avoid a recession. Right. The economists are all over the place now. Mm-hmm. Like I, some are saying recession, some are saying no recession. It's it's wild. Right. Some people that I think were the social media people have now moved on from this recession talk because they just can't get clicks from it from it anymore. Right. But I feel like it's more pronounced in being felt now more than ever for the consumer. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was talking to my wife the other day. Like I, I, there are things at the grocery store I'll go to and try to find that just aren't there. Right. Things that used to be really easy to buy that clearly are supply chain issues or shortages in supply or whatever. I really feel like we're seeing recessionary trends now. And the earnings recession that we predicted for July, I think is a real thing. And I think we're going to see it and all the warning signs we're seeing right now, those little tiny real-time implications, people not going out and spending on a Friday and Saturday night, that's the start of your earnings recession when companies come out and they say, well, we are not making as much as we thought we were. Not all sectors, but in a lot of them. And here's some of the fear that I have. So of the companies that are on the S&P 500, 99% of them have now reported their earnings for Q1. Mm-hmm. And net profit margins were on the rise. They're all yeah. mainly positive. What scares me about this? Okay, every company always wants to remain profitable. Okay, what are they going to have to do to remain profitable? Right? Maybe some of them are going to have to continue to raise prices or services or the cost of their goods. Like Net- okay? Net- Netflix cut off those the subscribers who were basically you know second families that attached the same user yeah, ID. They, exactly. And they saw a spike in subscriptions. Mm-hmm. That means more revenue for them, so they'll continue to make money now. Right. Exactly. So, what are some of these companies going to have to do? Right. And if if let's just say that continues to have services go up, cost of services go up. So now let's talk about Disney Plus. Okay. Same scenario. They've got to figure out a way to make more money because mm-hmm. their subscribers, they're not getting the same lift they did. So they're going to cut shows and cut back on, on some of the third party programming they have on their app. Right. Because if you can't make more money, you need to cut expenses. Yes, exactly. Same sector. Different results. Exactly. So with CPI coming out tomorrow, we'll see. By the time this episode drops, the results will have already come out. The expectations are that CPI will drop from 4.9% to 4%, okay, overall. But 4.9 to 4. Okay, but here's the problem. Core inflation Mm -hmm. that removes food and energy, right, that's expected to go up 5.3%. We know that the Fed's preferred measure is PCE, first of all, okay? But even in PCE, they like to look at core to remove food and energy because those two uh, components of the report are really volatile, yeah. Yeah. right? So when they remove it, it's actually higher than, than they project. 
I think this remains sticky for quite some time. I'm not agreeing with what the Fed's going to be doing if it is, in fact, what WERP and uh, Chicago Mercantile Exchange is projecting, where they're going to do a skip in June. Don't start saying skip. Don't be that guy. No, I'm just saying. Don't okay. adopt this. Well, well the, the problem is, okay, pause, right? If they pause, because it's, it's, not, that doesn't, what the Fed really wants to make sure. I don't want it to be a foregone conclusion they're going to increase rates because I'm a selfish bastard, and I think it's, 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 it's just too much in the sector. Yeah. Let me, let, me, let me be clear. But by Wednesday, we're going to know. By Wednesday, we're going to know. Here's my frustration, okay? And I know that people are like, oh, Chris is a banker, so Chris is trying to protect the banking sector. No, I'm not. No. I'm, I'm really not. Here's what happens, okay? Everybody's so hyper-focused on the Fed interest rate increases right now because they believe that that is what moves interest rates because it's what's been moving interest rates lately. Absolutely. That moves your depository prices up because the cost for banks to borrow funds and ultimately what you as a consumer may be able to demand from your institution. Mm -hmm. But what really moves loan interest rates up mm -hmm. is the yield curve, which is still inverted, which we've talked about on the show. Okay, People are already saying there is a debt crisis on the horizon. This is a great segue into the debt stuff that we're going to talk about I, later on. That's exactly right. Segue I was, myself. I don't even need I, you, bro. I was, I was, I was going to do you. it. God, no, you weren't. How are you going to throw an alley-oop to yourself off the glass? Because I'm that athletic. Come on. Okay. I'm that talented. <laughs> LeBron will do it. Man, I was over here like, oh, I got this segue down. Let's go. <laughs> so the, the debt market is already super concerned about an increasing set of defaults in the commercial real estate sector. Why? These loans are typically one, three, five, seven, or 10 years, mm -hmm. right? And they can be interest payments or non-interest payments, but they're adjustable rate mortgages, ARM loans, right. and they come due. So any loan that was made one year ago, three years ago, five years ago, seven or 10 years ago, coming due right. at historical interest rate lows, probably somewhere in the three to 4% range for commercial real estate then, you know, that comes due now. And guess what? The rates are a lot higher. Right. And, and they're going to be forced to have to refinance to whatever rate environment we're in. Otherwise, it adjusts. And exactly. And it'll be index plus margin pricing. And it'll probably adjust much higher than what you can get in a fixed rate loan today. Yes. People are worried that the vacancy in the office space sector means their income coming in, their primary way of determining these loans, something called a debt service coverage ratio. Right. Every dollar in income, right? You have to have a certain amount of expense. And in most cases, it's $1.25% of profit for every dollar in expense. That's but, the ratio. So I got, I got some data here from Green Street. Headwinds mean office values are now down 27% on average from their recent peak after falling further in the past month. According to Green Street, the average commercial property value is down 15%. So let's explain that really quickly. We've done some episodes on this before. There's a great uh, three things you need to know about commercial real estate episode we did early, early, early in 2021, which I think is a good... Your jump off the point. Big, the big commercial real estate episode. The big one. The, big, the biggest of And there's also three things you need to know about. There's actually two different podcasts. The big commercial real estate episode and the three things you need to know about commercial real estate, which is an even earlier one. So. Yes. I know the own catalog. Yeah. Before site. Yes. Yes. So the income approach to value is the primary reason why any investor buys a piece of commercial real estate because they want it to make them money. Mm -hmm. There's a couple different approaches to value, but generally that's the one that most people rely on when appraising a property because that's of the most importance to an investor yes, or a syndication of investors, if you will. Mm -hmm. So because these properties are making less money because of the massive amount of increased vacancy, because they can now demand less on a dollar per square foot for rent because there's less com competition in the market, those properties are inherently worth less because they're making the investor less money. That's why, you're, that's why we're not seeing a whole lot of transactions right now in the commercial real estate space because people can't agree on a sales price or a purchase price. So back to my original point, however, 
This is before the yield curve comes out of its deepest inversion since 1981. Right. Long time. It sounds a long, like, that sounds vintage. Yeah. Right? I mean, it sounds like it's as old as you. It, it, it's actually a little bit uh, younger than me. <laughs> but in any event, um, so when the yield curve comes out of its inversion, it'll put upward pressure on the long end of the curve, the long end of the rate market, right? 10-year market, right? Mm -hmm. And because of that, lending, loan rates will rise. Right. Home rates, yes, rise. Commercial real estate rates right. will rise. Personal line of credit rates will rise. Yeah, so just because the Fed decides to pause doesn't mean that rates and all these other you know, all these other components in banking will not rise. They will continue to rise. So think about this from a bank's perspective. If you're like me and you're like, okay, well, Chris is in the banking sector and you think that he's he's not looking out for himself, here's what happens. When the Fed pauses or slows down the cadence of interest rate increases, mm -hmm. banks' cost of funds will then stay stationary as their profit margins increase as the yield curve inversion comes out. Yes. Sooner or later, that's going to happen. That precedes recessionary economies. Even if it's not a recession, a healthy economy has a normal inversion of the of a normal, you know, steep incline of, of the yield curve. And as that happens, profitability for banks will widen out. So this is temporary for banks, right. but this will destroy consumers oh, in, in more ways than one. So I know a lot of the uh, a lot of the things that we've been talking about so far, as far as um, some of the commercial loans that we're talking about, I don't think applies to the masses out there, although very important. You talk about um, large people when you say masses. Yeah, I, the, all, all the you, people. You are a I'm villain. Not, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not discriminating. Clear, I'm not discriminating. I feel like you just did a little I, bit. I'm, I'm trying to include. And as them. a larger individual, I'm, it's hurtful. I'm inclusive. You're not inclusive. I'm You're already, not inclusive I'm, I'm at all. Inclusive. You're very not inclusive individual. So when the Fed decides to raise rates, you know I'm afraid to wear white shirts in front of you like this. You should be. Because it's not slimming enough for when you. I, when I see you wear white shirts, I'm like, wow, he's feeling confident today. That's actually what I wore to work today. <laughs> and truth be told, if you saw me on camera today, I had a tie on and it was all business up top. Oh, yeah. But this is the same outfit <laughs> below. <laughs> so um, I actually did a lot of sign inspections today. Yeah, I heard you were driving around Los Angeles. Yeah. Looking for meth. No, what? That's what you said. I did not you say that. You said you I, found some too. I did not say that. I was walking, walking around Los Angeles, saw some crack pipes on the floor. I'm oh, like, this I is didn't ask you if you took a, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> took yeah. a hit of one. Yeah, this is not good. Yeah. But okay, so a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about so far, as far as the commercial real estate loans, I don't think applies to the masses, but it's it's good to be educated on these things. How this does impact you if, if uh, you don't have any commercial real estate loans. When the Fed decides to raise their Fed funds rate, how does this impact you in, on your credit cards? Right? Your credit card rates will go up. Right now, I think in March or March of last year, credit card interest rates were around 16%. Mm. Now, above 20%. What's going to happen if they continue to raise in July? Your credit card payments are going to go up. What's going to happen when student loans payments are now you know, brought back again? What, I think the average student loan payment is anywhere between two to $300. Okay, bro. I wish mine that was that one. I know, God, I know. Mine, mine, was, mine was like twelve hundred dollars when I mine's, graduated. Mine's mine's more way more than that too. But I'm just saying the average. So people haven't been forced to make those payments. Credit card payments are already higher than they've ever been. You got you know APRs of twenty percent. Currently, right now, credit card debt nine hundred eighty eight billion dollars. That's an average of fifty seven hundred dollars per person. So quoting an article by Marketplace, Americans have almost $990 billion in credit card debt. Mm. Shall I quote the article a little bit? Please. Give you a little something sexy to talk about. Por favor. And your segue game was solid. Thank you. Yeah, very well done. 
we saw lenders come back into the market in a big way, open up the consumer credit spigot, including making a lot of credit available for the first time in a while to riskier borrowers, said Charlie Weiss, mm -hmm. Senior Vice President of Research and Consulting at the Credit Bureau TransUnion. Mm. Between early 2021 and mid-2022, about 10 million people got credit cards. 10 million. That's a lot. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who hadn't had them before. Then, while everything from coffee to airplane tickets went up in price, people relied on credit to keep buying those things. Mm -hmm. That's a that's a bad start to any conversation. I mean, people aren't so quick to you know change their lifestyles. Well, I'm glad you said that, Said. Mm -hmm. Quoting the article once again, people are usually very reluctant to quickly change their living standards. So they usually use credit for a while, said yeah. Steve Blitz, chief U.S. economist for T.S. Lombard. Right. Steve Blitz, solid name. Blitz? Blitz. Gangster. Yeah. Now, Blitz said. Hold on. Where's Odin when you need him to yeah. pull up his picture? I know. Now, Blitz said that as consumers eyeball those high balances made higher by rising interest rate charges, they'll start cutting back, which could have a negative impact on the economy. Mm. If you get to the part of the economy, which is discretionary spending, the stuff that we like to buy and shove into our closets, then that's about 25, 30% of GDP, which is still very, very large, he said. Wow. I looked this up last week, and I know this adjusts on a weekly basis, but the GDP now figure produced by the Atlanta Fed, mm -hmm. it was tracking at like 2%. Which, if you guys haven't checked the Atlanta Fed's GDP now, go into the Googles. <laughs> the Googles. The Googles. <laughs> and type in Atlanta GDP now. It'll take you directly there. There's a link to it. That's actually the name GDP now. I think it'll even pop up right there um, on, on your search page. On the Googles? Yeah, on the Googles, what, the, what they're predicting. Googly moogly? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it'll pop up, and it'll actually give you kind of a tracker of where they think it's, it's at with their variant of as close to real-time approximation as they can get to it. Right. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So it gives you a good insight as to like where things are going. And the more that number continues to stay positive, it makes the Fed feel like they still have more room to operate. Jeez. So that that's the scary part is we can see where this road is headed if they continue to go because it could there could be a situation where there's over-tightening, right? And that's what they're afraid of. That's why you're starting to hear all the jawboning. Of, come on, man. Come there's, on. A lot of, there's a lot when of weight jokes. Oh, oh, it's just oh, it's sorry. terrific. They're what was that? <laughs> that was Joe Rogan. I got so mad I hit Joe Rogan. <laughs> See what happens when Odun's not here? I know, right? We miss you, Odun. Come back to the so show. So mad. I was like, damn it, Joe. Uh, uh, actually, there was a fascinating conversation about AI we should talk about later on that was kind of kicked off by that conversation. Yeah. About, do you see a time where movies are made entirely by prompting AI? I mean, I don't see why not. Could you imagine? Like that, and then it's like it, I remember the early conversations. I'll never forget. I was in. A you could ask AI to say, "AI, make me a movie," and so and it just creates a movie for you. So I'll never forget. I was in when YouTube first came out. God, this is gonna make me sound old as shit. I was in a studio with a buddy who was a, a director, mm -hmm. and he was recording the Black Eyed Peas in an interview. Mm -hmm. And before we started the camera, we were talking to Will. I am. And it's just Will I Am, my buddy, and me in the room, and Fergie's coming around the hallway humming. It was it was amazing, angelic, impressive. Really? Her voice is incredible. 
Really? At least back then, I don't, I don't know. People age is different. Yeah, she had she had a really bad performance at one of those like NBA All Star games. Did it she? Was, like, very cringeworthy. Dude, I'll, I'll tell you right now. I I'd never heard anything like it in my adult life until that time. Mm-hmm. And it was it was it was like shocking when she came on the court. I was like, she was just humming too. She wasn't even singing. Wow. It was, okay. it was anyway. So we're talking to Will I Am, and this guy is talking about his life, how he came up, and why he loves clothes, and everything else. And then he just pivots in the conversation, and he's like, "You see that new YouTube shit, man?" <laughs> At the time, I hadn't. That's your Will I Am impersonation. No, that's just I'm trying to do a different voice to separate the conversation from me and this person you know is Will I Am. Got it. Okay. Way to be an asshole. Okay. Okay. Son of a bitch. (laughs) Sorry. You see the new YouTube shit, man? And uh, (laughs) I can't even do it now. So I'm like, I'm like, at the time, I'm I'm not trying to sound not cool to Will I Am, right? So I'm like, yeah, yeah, I've seen it. He's like, that shit's got to be illegal, man. And I was, I was like, what do you, what do you mean? And he goes. You know, we did a concert the other night in Brazil, and we flew back the next morning. By the time we got back, it's on YouTube. You can watch the concert that I did in Brazil. He's like, that shit's got to be illegal. Yeah. And I'm like, um, sounds illegal. <laughs> it, that doesn't sound right. He's like, and they're making money. They're paying advertising. For, I mean, he knew the whole thing. Wow. But he was so into it, and he thought it was so wrong. And then I'm sitting here thinking, like, the Writers Guild of America is, in part, striking right now and it's kind of shutting down a lot of hollywood mm-hmm. because of this and wages and some other things but ai is certainly a part of that right if you're a writer and you're saying okay ai is not creating anything new it's searching the web for existing artist content right and then effectively stealing their styles yeah and then i was like wait a minute everything i've seen from ai thus far has really been a repurposing of something else online that was originally somebody's IP or like their style. Right. Like that's wrong, right? It makes it, it definitely feels like it's wrong. This thing is, is growing at such an alarming rate that I don't feel like I can keep up. Uh, I mean, I've, I've fully embraced AI in the workplace. Yeah. Fully embraced it. And everybody who criticized me, I have the exact same example and it works every single time. Mm. If you're an executive at a publicly traded company or a larger company, you have like a, a communications group or a comms director communications director right Mm -hmm. who's going to help you curate the messages and then you'll review them and make sure the message aligns with you and a lot of times these ceos or high level executives won't send it out themselves they'll send out an email Mm -hmm. through like their admin will send it out on their behalf or or like the comms director will send it out with their signature on it right and it'll look like it's from them absolutely right or they have like a marketing department it'll have some you know whatever right so it's no different if i tap AI to help me curate a message and then I customize it to sound like me. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, think about how unfair that is. It's like this. Why go, is it unfair? Go, we all goes, have access to it. Go, it goes completely against everything that we're taught in college. I, I wish I could do this on a, on a, on a paper. Yeah, you think kids are going to go back to Blue Books now? They got to. No, they did for a while. Right? I don't know if they, they're still doing it, but they have to, yeah. Like you can't, you can't give a kid like a laptop and be like, all right, man. Okay, no, forget that. You're thinking about the in-day testing. I'm talking about writing an essay. Right? No, you can't write an essay anymore. <laughs> you can't ask the web to write Stop. an essay. No, book yeah. report. Get the fuck out of no, here. No, you know what you have to do. You know, you have to take it back old school. Socratic method. Stand up. Yeah, law school over again. You could literally ask AI to write a summary on any fucking book out there on the internet. It's insane. I mean, write me a book report on this. The, the whole concept of book report has got to be completely foreign to kids right now. Right. Like, why would I do that? Why would I summarize a book? Yeah. Prove that I read it? Doesn't prove shit? Man. 
it takes so it takes away so much. I mean, because if you if you can if you can get that now, like this is like the better version of Cliff Notes. Oh, dude, and I will say, oh God, I don't even want do it. Come on, you already went down that path. All right, in law school, <laughs> they had the same thing for for like legal cases. Oh yeah, right. And the internet was just getting big enough, but you could read like the Cliff Notes version. Oh yeah, I did that all the time. Yeah, like please don't call me. Please don't call me. Shit. Yeah, stand up and be like, uh. Yeah. Yeah, so it basically said that a reasonable, prudent person in the same and similar circumstances would not be found guilty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just as the summary of it. Yeah, so I mean, it, it is what it is. But AI is changing things so crazy, man. And before before Congress could ever do anything about it, it's just going to get out of control. You have an AI guilty pleasure? I haven't been messing with it as much, to be honest with you. Come on, meow. I really haven't. I, You know, like here's the thing. It's so foreign to me. I don't know how to ask it to do something yet because I'm still using it as like There's a, a whole new space on social I'm, media of people trying to give you prompts on how to ask them. Yeah, because I'm using That's crazy it, to me too. I'm using it as like a Google search engine. You know what I mean? And I, I don't know how to use it. No, the problem else. is you can get real precise. You can say, make me a YouTube video, but you can also say, make me a YouTube video in the tone of uh, Grant Cardone. So he's going to sound like a douchey car salesman <laughs> that lasts no longer than 15 seconds. And it will know how to pace you through. I mean, it's crazy. That's insane. But here, here's my two guilty pleasures with AI, okay? And I don't want you to judge me because these are fucking weird, okay. okay? Guilty pleasure number one, anytime anyone renders an AI image in Wes Anderson style. I love that shit. They did Star Wars in Wes Anderson style. We, we should okay. prove that on the show. Yeah, yeah. I love it. They did succession characters in Wes Anderson style. I love, I don't know why. It's just so goofy and corny. I love it. It's cool, okay. Like, But that's really stealing Wes Anderson style. I, I haven't messed with it enough. I know. I know. I, I think I heard, like. Somebody on the Joe Rogan podcast say, write me a Joe Rogan style joke yeah, yeah, yeah. in a Louis C.K. format. So yeah. like combining two. And they can do that. Comedians. But that's stealing somebody else's IP. Again, is it legal? I don't. I mean, you're really technically stealing somebody else's shit. Yeah. But my other guilty pleasure, mm. if anybody has access to Photoshop, it's been all over social media. So you probably already done this. Download the Photoshop beta. Right. Right, if you if you subscribe and I, we subscribe because we have the podcast, so we need a bunch of creative tools and we use Photoshop. Right, we downloaded the beta and the generative fill t- fill tool. Mm-hmm. It isn't perfect, right? But damn, it's pretty damn close. It's impressive. It is. Impressive. You can circle parts and say insert chandelier. You can circle other parts, but you know you could change people's entire shirt. I mean, it's it's at the point now where it's like it's impressive. Right. It isn't perfect, but it is impressive. And just to see what it'll automatically generate. I've seen entire tutorials on how people can literally create images from nothing. Mm-hmm. And like they'll create shirt designs and stuff like that. It, it's impressive. Yeah. It's pretty, really uh, we cool. went way off topic. We, I did, go, we, did, go, we yeah. did go way off topic. It's Bring- all Joe Rogan's fault. <laughs> Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan. <laughs> Joe Rogan yeah. Or maybe we did that on purpose. Yeah, yeah. Cerebral, dog. <laughs> we cerebellums. <laughs> 100p so back back to the credit back to the credit cards bars so you know a big a big part of the reason why credit card debt has ballooned to as high as it is it has to do with inflation and it also has to do with the interest rates on these credit cards going up right people aren't able to now maintain because you know we know that there's plenty of cases out there where people are only covering their minimum payments you know so those if those minimum if if your rate if your rate on your credit card goes up and your minimum payments now go up. I mean, you're barely getting by. Yo, man, I don't want to minimize this because a lot of people will, will privately have conversations with me. And mm-hmm. these are the most difficult conversations because it takes a lot of courage to come to anybody 
and open up. It's almost like a, like a psychology like session. It's, yeah. it's like a therapist conversation. Absolutely. Where people come to you and they're like, hey, man, like I, I want to improve this. And you start talking to them. And I, I always do the same thing. And I feel fucking bad. But I'm always like, how did you get here? Yeah. And sometimes there's an like emotional story. A lot of people will use buying to cover up for emotions. Yeah. You know, like, oh, there's, there's, there's a breakup. Like, or, self, you know. that's, that's their way of self-medicating. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Or as the kids say, 100p. 100p, dog. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just like a self medicating like kind of dealing with coping mechanism if you will mm -hmm. and and breaking it down it, it's it's crazy to see how people got to you but you have to understand when people come to you it's the first step in like their therapy like they they have now admitted and recognized they have an issue mm -hmm. they're coming to you to seek advice right presumptively under the auspice of me being a professional which i would say is a terrible lack of like you know judgment on your part no you compounded on. the issue by no. by going from one bad decision to another no no and usually my my, my solution is take up drugs no, stop, I'm, I'm kidding, stop i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> no but usually you walk them through and then that's where i look at someone like dave ramsey's advice and i go okay it makes sense here let's start with baby steps what's going to make you feel mentally fulfilled right and how to properly pay down your debt you're gonna feel better if you do it quicker Mm -hmm. You're going to feel better if you pay one off. So like, the, fir the first thing that you hear always when someone's trying to teach you on how to use credit card debt is, you know, uh, don't spend more than you can afford. Okay. What does that mean, though? Exactly. And that was, that's my follow-up question. What does that mean to, for you? So this gets into your whole conversation about how to properly use a credit card. Yes. That, I have that's a, the path I want to go down. I know the paths you want to go down. All the paths. All of them. Yeah. They all lead to one place. What place is that? Happy, happy, joy, joy. Oh, yeah, you know. My happy place. My soul. Let's go. <laughs> so I have a very hard and fast rule of how I use credit cards. A lot of people do not agree with this who are in like this, I guess, early young financial literacy stage. Mm -hmm. I don't think that we should treat adults like children. And pe people like Dave Ramsey like to say, okay, you've abused credit, so you can't manage credit, so you should look to not have credit at all. Yes. To me, that's not responsible. My, my response is, you've mismanaged credit. You know how dangerous it can be. But let me teach you how to use it because in order to be successful an adult, mm -hmm. you need to understand how to use debt. This is part of the game. A part big, of the game. A big part of the game. You cannot change the rules of the game and you cannot say it's a zero-sum game so I'm just not going to play because every wealthy person leverages debt strategically. It's, it's terrible to think that there's a dichotomy of, of values there, mm -hmm. but wealthy people can use it to grow more wealth and poor people can use it to get more poor. Right. I've underwritten individuals that make $20 million a year in rental income. Mm -hmm. They have a billion dollars in real estate assets that they own on their provided schedule real estate, but they also owe $500 million. I know those numbers never, never cease to amaze me though. Right. So it's like, that's part of the game. It's the whole game is leverage. Yeah. So here's what I'll say. We use our credit card primarily for everything. Hence the black card thing, right? Right. And that it's because we spend everything on those cards. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not going to say this in the context of having a business card or not having a business card. That's, that's a different conversation for a different day. Now we're going to focus on just your personal debt. Okay. Yes. You should be spending all of your expenses on your credit card and not on your ATM debit card. I don't want anybody to have direct access to my ATM account, which has my cash, mm -hmm. right? You generally have good ATM cards like Visa's and MasterCard's and whatever that, that also act as like a credit card in some level of protection. They give you points. Mm -hmm. And that's what someone like Dave Ramsey would have you use. Me, on the other hand, 
I say use your credit card. Use the one that gives you the most amount of points. If you're an American Express user, it's not the black card. Mm-hmm. Most of your points and your benefits come from the gold card, believe it or not. Okay. The platinum card actually isn't the best one for points. It's the gold card. Hands down. There are plenty of other credit cards. Chase has, uh, Capital One has some that are really good. There's mm-hmm. lots of different versions out there. And different cards at different times have different promotions and a, a good popular website. A lot of people use a nerd wallet. Yeah, and maybe you want cash back. Maybe that's your benefit of choice. Maybe you want travel. Maybe you want luxury. And as you start getting more and more adept with your spending, those are things you want to look at to take it like a little extra kind of bonus, if you will. Absolutely. Once you've mastered the craft of how to use your card appropriately. Right. And before you go down that path of making sure you spend everything on your credit card, it's also, this is an assumption that was made that you should have your budget in line as well. I mean, you shouldn't be overspending, right? Because at the end of the month, what should you be doing? So exactly. So you should only spend on your credit card what you can pay off at the end of that month. Right. If you're putting balances on your credit card that you're carrying forward, Mm -hmm. those can be large purchases that you've strategically planned to pay off over a period of a couple of months or so. Yeah. But you need to be thoughtful and pragmatic about how you do that. Absolutely. It can't just be like, I'm going to buy this, but I can't afford to pay it off this month, but I really, really want it. Never buy under that pretense. So approximately, they say around 35% of your entire credit score is made up of your payment history, mm-hmm. right? And one 30-day late payment could actually take a, a pretty significant hit against that. And a little fun fact, too, the amount of available credit that you have to you that you've maximized, meaning if you have $100,000 in available credit, but you've used $100,000 of it, will negatively impact your score. Right. Credit utilization rate. Yes. So you want to make sure that you're using your credit appropriately and as an adult, but you're not using all of it either. They're, right. They're, they say approximately no more than 30%, right? So believe it or not, my wife and I only really have one personal credit card in our names now. Oh, wow. Yep. Just our American Express. Okay. I do have some business credit cards. We don't have any more uh, car payments. And we our credit score is a little bit different because we've got so many mortgages. Like mm-hmm. I think I got like seven or something on my personal name at this point. Right. Down from more at one point but you cap out of 10 okay generally speaking so for us our score is always weighted towards heavy mortgages and heavy revolving debt mm-hmm. and it drags my score down from 850 to like 810 or 800 or something from time to time depending right. on all that stuff and then when you have inquiries it can also drag it down but for, for most of you out there the way you want to look at your credit card is is i'm going to spend everything that i'm spending on the credit card people are like well, why would you do that chris mm-hmm. you get the protection of a credit card i like american express because they literally will Wave any fee. I call them up and be like, hey, I didn't do this. This is fraud. Their their customer service is amazing like that. And that's not because I have one type of card. They're all like that. All their customer service is like that. So I think there's a tremendous amount of value there. Plus, you're protected. Plus, you can get some points. But if anything, you're building credit and you're being responsible and you pay down at the end of every single month. Right. So every credit card is different, but now a majority of them have this period called a grace period. Right. Mm, yeah. And and this is the part that I think people get most confused by that they that they don't understand because you hear, oh, you charge your card, just pay it down by the end of the month. So the way it works is this: you have your billing cycle. Okay. Let's say your billing cycle is begins September 10th, and then that period ends. Uh, let's call it October 9th. Mm-hmm. Okay. That for that 30 days, right? You get whatever purchases you made. You will now your payment is set up for like let's say November 2nd. Between October 9th and November 2nd, that's your grace period. Yeah. Right. That you're not getting charged interest on the purchase that you made during that billing cycle. So long as you pay it down. Now, like I said, caveat, 
Every credit card is different. You want to make sure you check with your credit card that there, this grace period applies to you, right? And see what your grace period is. But all the purchases that you made during that time frame of that billing cycle will not accrue any interest. So as long as you pay that all down during that time, you're good. But any balance that carries past that payment due date will then begin to accrue interest. So a very valuable lesson here, and the reason why I always kind of lean towards American Express wasn't because I was a big fanboy. American Express is a charge card mm -hmm. versus a typical credit revolving line of credit. Mm -hmm. So if you use a normal credit card, and American Express has leaned into the, the charge revolving debt space more and more, and they have some options there. Right. But generally speaking, a traditional American Express card, your full balance is due at the end of the month. Yes. So if you charge $50,000, you pay $50,000 at the end of the month. Right. Whereas with some credit cards, they float your balance and they continue to float it over time. Mm -hmm. Which is also why American Express is perceived to be for people who have a higher net worth is because people are only using those charges for things they can pay off at the end of the month. Yes. It's a charge card, not a true credit card in some ways. Right. Another big thing that helps your credit is credit length history, right? For mm -hmm. how long you've had a credit card. So I actually still have my credit card that I opened up when I was in college, my Wells Fargo. I have mine too. I card. never use it. I don't even know where it's at, but yeah, I have mine too. So I have just a few uh, like recurring payments go through that every month. Want to hear something right? funny? Huh. My original Wells Fargo credit card that opened up when I was 18. Yeah. Has a maximum balance of seventeen thousand dollars. Yeah, mine mine has a maximum balance of nine thousand dollars. Is it really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't even I don't even ever request it. I, they like I don't even know how it got to nine. Right? They just increase it on yeah, their, they just increase it on their own. I think mine started off at five. Would you really? start? Is it five? It sounds it sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. But um, what I what I do and what you can do if you don't have a card like an American Express charge card that Chris is referring to. Is so the, the recurring payments that I have come through there, like your my Netflix account or whatever, whatever else, um, I enroll in auto pay, mm -hmm. right? To make sure that that entire balance, I don't even have to look at it. I know at the end of every month, whatever that bill comes in, it automatically gets taken out of my account, so I don't have yep. to even worry about it. I used to do that with my uh, Wells Fargo card because it gave you automatic cell phone insurance coverage. Yeah, but now American Express offers that and it runs through there. Yeah. all of my cards are on auto pay. Right, they pay the full balance at the end of the, at the end of the month. Right. And I'm keenly aware that I do not spend more on that card than I have in my checking account, which it drafts from. Right. And if you, and here's the other thing. If, if you don't learn how to play this game, you're leaving money on the table, right? Because there are ways where if you know, for instance, that um, you have the money in your account saved up to go on a vacation, right? Coming up later on this year. And you and your wife or your, your partner or whoever want to plan for this vacation you could and you know you don't have any big expenses coming up you don't need to have the highest credit score later on this year because you know you're not planning on buying a house or buying a car or whatever there are cards out there that offer you traveling points oh yeah i mean i'm not a fan of doing that because i just don't like the idea of opening up accounts right but you could because because you could ultimately and then afterwards once it's paid off you could close it your credit would take a minor hit for a few months until yeah it not a fan of that not a fan, but at the end of the day, this is a game that you could play to somehow get one of your free one of your tickets paid for. Yeah, a lot of points guys do that. A lot of people do that. Like the Hawaiian Airlines has a card. Um, I think there's one that had Southwest points for a long time that people oh, yeah. used to utilize a lot, and it gave you a ton of like travel points and perks. I look at it like this: once your credit is under control and you're now in a position where you can choose how and where you spend because right. you're not obligated to these massive debt payments, right? Then start looking at points. Start looking strategically. Yeah. If you're not at that point yet, mm -hmm. what you should be looking for. Or a couple different things. If your balances are so large that you're getting tons of interest and the interest is killing you, 
one of the things I recommend to people is you can actually open up a credit card in a certain circumstances, depending on how big your balances are, and transfer your balances in at a teaser 0% interest rate. Sometimes it's six months, sometimes it's a full year. Sometimes it's even 18 months. I yeah. Think. So if you, can, if you can take all of your credit card debt and open up a new card, consolidate all that debt onto that new card of the balance transfer, which a lot of them will offer you. There will be a minor fee. I think minor fee. Like two or three percent. Two or three percent. Not a big deal. Mm -hmm. And then you can have zero percent interest for a year and you can physically pay off your card in that year. That sometimes is a great option. But you want to make sure that you actually do the math and you can pay that off. You need to commit to it. Yeah. yeah if you, you can't have, pay it off at the end of the year, then you've just don't, wasted a ton of yeah, money. Yeah. Don't just do them big. Okay, well, I'll start next month. No, yeah. no, 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 no. You gotta you gotta you gotta stay committed. So yeah, we've touched a lot of credit cards today. Yeah. You wanna move on? Or you still want to touch my credit card stuff? <laughs> Government bonds, baby. <laughs> So this article from Axios, the hidden risk on bank balance sheets. Mm. And so there's been a lot of talk about bonds, bonds, bonds. Bonds are really just a debt obligation. Exactly. Right? Mm -hmm. So you loan somebody some money, i.e. the U.S. government, mm -hmm. and they have an obligation to pay you back. And most people aren't like, well, the U.S. government's not going to not pay us back. Right. Well, unless the debt ceiling wasn't passed, in which case right. they would default on those bonds. If they did, yeah, if they defaulted, then it would have been a huge problem. But it's essentially a way, basically what happened, the government overspends every single year. And a way for them to make up the money that they overspend on is they issue debt. And people buy that debt. So we call them suckers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a safe investment, man. Come on. Well, it is. So the big picture here is government bonds have zero risk waiting under Basel rules. Basel rules are basically how people treat this for accounting purposes. Don't worry about the technical speak. The rest of this article is more important. Mm. Which means that banks can hold an unlimited quantity of them without having to hold any capital at all. Mm -hmm. Little reminder for those of you out there in listener land, Silicon Valley Bank bought a lot of government bonds. A lot. So much so, they had to take a massive loss, which ultimately led to their uh, run on the bank for mm -hmm. deposits and a liquidity shortfall and them ultimately failing. Mm -hmm. So they could do this with no capital weighted against these bonds because of the accounting rules, the Basel rules in place. Right. Crazy yet true. Right. So what, what uh, Silicon Valley Bank did during that time, they had a lot of excess capital. And what they thought at the time was a safe investment for them and their shareholders was to invest that capital into government bonds. Which right. didn't pay a lot of interest, but the risk wasn't in the bonds going bad. Right. It was in the fact that interest rates rose so much that those bonds were worth way less because they weren't paying then in market rates. Exactly. So if that's the that's the problem with bonds, right? When interest rates go up, the value of the bonds come down. Now, not a problem if you're able to hold those bonds until maturity, right? But if you have to sell those bonds, you're gonna sell them at a loss. And another accounting rule that's fun out there is that if you held them to maturity, you didn't have to recognize the loss. So if you said, hey, guys, I know this bond that I'm holding that's supposed to be worth $100 million is only worth $50 million, mm -hmm. but I'm never going to sell it. So I'm going to hold it to maturity. I move it to held to maturity on my balance sheet for accounting purposes. Yeah. I have that bond on my balance sheet as $100 million. Oh, interesting. That's how they got dinged. They, they had it all held to maturity. They're like, hey, we have this unrealized loss. That's the unrealized loss. When mm. they had to sell it, they had to recognize that it's not held to maturity because they're not holding right. maturity, they're selling it. Right. Now they realize that loss. Right. Do you know, by the way, the history behind bonds and how they came about? Somebody tells me you do. <laughs> this is actually pretty cool. 
So it traces back all the way to World War One. So in 1917, it was the way they issued, they called them liberty loans mm-hmm. uh, as a way to, you know, generate money for show support for the war. And they raised $17 billion back then. That was two thirds of the cost of the war. You, you want to hear something crazy too? Mm. You'll find that a lot of instruments that we have in modern day society that we've just accepted as normal mm-hmm. don't have as long a history as we think. Like we think like the Boston Tea Party and no taxation without representation and taxes have always been a part that of life. That sounds like a fire song. No taxation without representation. You do realize that was, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and go, okay, okay. Yeah, leave that one. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. You're right. You know what? That's a rapper. It was Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> I said it sounds like a fire song. <laughs> anyway, uh, so a lot of these things we think are commonplace and just been a part of like human history mm-hmm. and the evolution of modern society are actually not as old as we think they are. Right. This and taxes, we covered during the MindPop episode how income tax really came from Milton Friedman, Milton Friedman right. helping out during World War II right. as a way to generate extra revenue. And it was supposed to be temporary for the war and go away. Right. Bonds weren't very much different. Exactly. They were supposed to help us during a difficult time, a war, mm-hmm. shocker, right? But now we've leveraged them into a completely different vehicle. Absolutely. Yeah. And for the longest time, they were used as the safest investment in a lot of retirees um oh, yeah. will, will will transfer their investment portfolio to that a lot of investors will buy bonds as a cushion for their portfolio people for the longest time will would invest in them for their you know their children's college tuitions mm-hmm. right? they were they were viewed as very 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 safe because there wasn't a credit default risk and up until this particular economy Credit defaults, mm. people not being able to pay or there being some kind of issue with their repayment of the debt obligation yep. have what led the way to failures in the system. Yes. But at this time, it's different. There mm. are no credit defaults yet. We believe the office space and the sector and the pressures there, maybe even credit cards and things like that will continue to ramp up the possibility of this. But for right now, mm-hmm. it's interest rate risk in bonds. Actually, leading back to the article, the catch, government bonds may not have any credit risk. Although in this era of debt ceiling standoffs, even that isn't certain anymore, but that hardly means they're risk-free. In fact, interest rate risk, something common to all bonds, including government bonds, is a bigger risk than credit risk today. And in my mind, that has never really happened like this. Going all the way back to the 70s, where I think this is the last time you saw, I think 71-ish was the last time you saw a stagflationary economy like what we could be going through. Right. Yeah, exactly. And just the, I don't know, the the thought of it is, is scary because, so you can buy government bonds on the, on the primary market, right? And also on the secondary market. When it's being sold on the secondary market, these bonds are now being almost treated like stocks. They're right? traded the exact same way. They're, yes. Yeah, they're traded the exact same way in um, something that's supposed to be viewed so safe as being so risky now. Well, they're risky because you're not getting the same market return as you can get in the market today because newly issued bonds will have a lot higher interest rate return than bonds that were issued in the last five or 10 years. But it should be noted, too, that, you know, if I were to buy some government bonds and I needed to sell them because all of a sudden, for whatever reason, I needed the liquidity, it's not the same thing as Silicon Valley Bank. Not buying hundreds, you know, billions of dollars worth of bonds. You don't have the scale for it. Exactly. Right. So um, that risk factor is still not there. but. 
For you, maybe. Mr. Blackguard. That'd be a different game. What would an episode of The Higher Standard be if Saeed didn't take a petty and uncalled for shot across the bow at my financial position? Wait, hold on. You referenced Blackguard. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> just because my card was black oh, doesn't mean that it doesn't have your American Express black card. gold card feelings. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd like to get to the meat and potatoes of this episode. Everything that we gave you up until this point was an apartif. It was a palate cleanser of sorts. We, we've done this to prime you Mm. mentally, physically, for this moment right now. Right now. This motherfucker right here. <laughs> this motherfucker right here? Right here. <laughs> I told you so. That's the quote. I told you so? I told you so. This guy. Coming on strong with a little pipe. Dave Ramsey made the correct call on U.S. real estate 18 months ago, but is he still right about the housing market in 2023? Here's what the financial guru thinks now from money-wise. He seems to enjoy being right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Let's get into the, the, this, shall we? His call 18 months ago was home values are not going to go down. They're going to go up every year for the next five years. Right. If only he had a room back there to press the button. There's a button we have <laughs> permanently situated on the keyboard. That exact same quote, which we can't. Push from the other side of the wall. I almost want to go out and just press it. <laughs> <laughs> he is not right. Okay. No. And let me just be clear. Let, let's just avoid the controversy of discussing the real estate values on average across the country. He didn't say across the country on average or all those things. And even if he did, that doesn't matter to you on the West Coast. Mm -mm. Let's say you live in San Jose and your values have gone down more than 12% this year. What about me, Dave Ramsey? What yeah. about you? Yeah. Okay. And let's say you're in San Diego and your real estate values went down. Mm. Let's say you're in Las Vegas or Arizona and your real estate values Phoenix, went down. Right. So was he right? No, he was not right. He was ass backwards wrong. If you recall, Dave Ramsey said that and then was so far emboldened by the controversy and pushback that he went on and did a presentation where he sat in front of a screen pounded his little paper on, on his hand and it was rolled up to give him some weird image of authority and having data on his hand, but you didn't actually have any data in his hand, but he said he had data in his hand. Right, right, right. And he said, I've been in this business for 44 years. Yeah. I've seen cycle after cycle. Hey, asshole. Okay. <laughs> this is not like any other cycle in the last 44 years. Snowflake. Okay? They're all snowflakes. And last time I checked, there was not one recessionary economy that Dave Ramsey has lived and worked through professionally. That had interest rate risk sensitivity as its primary concern. Mm -hmm. There was not a cycle where interest rates were increased not once, not twice, but multiple times, right. 75 basis points back to back. Why? Because it's never happened before. Right. So don't sit here and tell people that supply and demand is the only metric that moves real estate. As long as the demand is there and the supply is low, values will stay high. That is not true. Mm -hmm. And we've seen examples of that already starting this year. Is it going slower? Yes. Because it happened after 14 years of artificial interest rate deflation, the longest in human history right. that we've seen interest rates do that. Well, I should say modern human history. We've seen interest rates do that. So, of course, it's not moving at the cadence it has. But to say that you were right and that values haven't gone down is complete bullshit. Right. Now, again, I don't hate the man. I have a picture of him right behind me on the show. If you haven't watched the YouTube channel, you owe it to yourself to see a loving photo of my friend Dave Ramsey back here. He's not wrong about all of his advice. Right. This is not an attack on him. 
But this one thing I disagree with vehemently. Mm -hmm. That is a misrepresentation. Supply and demand do not drive the market because... Demand without affordability? Is not fucking demand. I had to pause for emphasis, man. <sighs> I feel? I feel like I go another hour on the rant, but yeah. I feel like the values may have been exhausted a little bit. Right. I mean, you feel like I've, these va these these values are are gonna vary because you know it's regional, right? It's different for every region. It is, but it's also not. So he here's what I would say. I I welcome a correction in values. I'm not saying a crash. And a crash typically defined twenty percent or more in decrease. We've never thought that that real estate values would go down twenty percent. We more. never said that. Nope. And over the course of the last three years, and in, in, in some areas. 42% in a single year. Now, I will point out all the areas where real estate values went up the most in the last two years that had the largest increases mm -hmm. are the areas that have come down first. Yes. In some areas like Florida and South, Southeast, Southwest Florida mm -hmm. have seen some tremendous booms and are still seeing value increases. And I get that. But they're just slower reactors. Yeah. The West Coast went up first. They went up more. Mm -hmm. They've come down first and gone down more. Right. Why does it, why don't people think that the rest of the country is going to be affected the same way? And in California, for the record, there is a huge, huge shortage of supply of inventory. Right. So if his argument worked, that would not be theoretically possible to happen. Yet San Jose down, you know, San Diego down, some areas, Los Angeles down. I would, I would tell the people that are looking to buy right now, especially those first time home buyers, because you know, the pitch that they're being sold. You know, you can we can get you into a house by putting as little as three and a half percent down. You know, so what you you have ninety six and a half. You know, you have only three and a half percent equity, right? God forbid values come down and then you lose your job. I mean, so as of on, on Wednesday, that's the other part about this that I'm curious to see about with the summary of economic projections that the Fed's going to release. So they're going to release their dot plot, right? Which will give us a clue of how many of the FOMC members see rates going to, let's say, above five and a half percent, five, three quarters, right? Who knows? Last time we had even one person come out and say 6%. Fucking Neil Kashkari. No, that, I think that was Waller. <laughs> was it Waller? Yeah. Probably. probably. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. it wouldn't surprise I don't think it Waller. says their name, but um, uh, you, you get it from all the, from all the uh, feds. But you know who it is. Yeah, you know yeah. who it is. So, so the other the other part of that though is also going to be where they see you know unemployment going, and and that that's so again these are the things where like people are like oh you know what guys the economy is healthy unemployment's not really mm -hmm. moving a whole lot and wages are strong like we may get out of this so then like dude like just because right. the bomb hasn't gone off doesn't mean that it's not going to go off the fuse is lit brother right we're like on a cartoon and we're seeing it like burn across the screen and everyone's like. Ah, it's not gonna yeah. blow up. Yeah, we've never said on this show that there's gonna be a real estate market crash for you know the single family space. But a correction would be healthy, and much much needed. How many people do you know can't afford a home right now? So many. I, I would to, say I, more people than not can't afford a home right now. Absolutely, and it's um, I don't know, it makes me feel really. Not only does it make me feel bad for the people right now that are in the market, it makes me feel bad about what my kids are gonna be walking into. Bro, in order to buy a house for a time, it's gonna be like a million dollars. Yeah. Are you kidding? Easy. Yeah. By the time by the time our kids are ready to buy homes, are you kidding? Average home across the country, one million dollars. Just why try? Yeah. <laughs> Figure it out. I'm gonna go buy a hut. Really? 
Yeah, I don't no. know. Airstream? Airstream. I actually like those. Those are so clean, right? They look cool. They look so cool. Like the idea of traveling around the country and like hitting parks when I was a kid would have sounded terrible. Now the idea of like one of those like mini vans, not, not like a full RV, but like a mini. Not doable for me. I mean, I take two showers a day. Like the I Mercedes mean, you, Sprinter vans? One shower a day. First of all, two showers a day is not good for your skin. Don't put that shit on me. First of all, this is probably why you're so hairy. Your skin's probably revolting against you, okay? <laughs> a two showers a day is not normal. You're supposed to have a healthy amount of body oil. And if you smell that bad because you got some body odor issues, let's talk about that. I just like to feel clean, man. You like to feel clean. Bruh. Bruh. Shave your body hair like I do. That you will feel clean. No, man. Do not have your your hair hold sweat. No. I'm telling you. Like, this is not me. Look, I'm not trying to pitch you on this. Also, let me ask you a question. No, you, man. Yeah. Would you would you rather go around in one of those airstreams or one of those uh like uh what are those big vans that they deck out on the inside? I like the vans. So the Mercedes has Oh my god. The, Mer- the Mercedes vans. So one of my neighbors had somebody visit him. This guy like rolls up and it looks like a Mercedes. Like van, sprinter right? Sprinter van or something. Like a sprinter right? van, right? Yeah. But I guess they did some like collab with Airstream or something. I don't know. But I opened it what? up. What? It was fucking beautiful on the inside. I'm like, oh, did you have this custom made? He's like, no, this is the way they sell it. Now it's expensive. It was like 175 grand or something like that starting price. And he de- his deck got to like 200 something. God damn. But dude, it was dope. There was a bed in the back, full flat screen TV. Like I'm sitting, like the only question, you can't like walk around any while someone's driving, right? That, you're, no, you're supposed no, to be no. in seatbelts. Right. But I would love. Love to take my wife and my son and just like travel. I've never, uh, I've never been to a national park. Might dude. be too might be too tight for three people. Two people maybe. Three people. He's four, dude. What do you mean? Yeah, I a know. four year old and your mom, and your wife. You should be fine. Okay, you're gonna buy a two hundred thousand uh, dollar Sprinter van for one year? What do you mean? Not one year. Car's gonna continue to grow, man. Oh, he's not like like an alligator where he's going to grow like you know, 200 pounds a year. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's going to grow pretty rapidly. Yeah, he's, he's going pretty big. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> walk, that, walk that back. Bro, he's tall, dude. But yeah. Yeah. No. Like, I'm just saying, like, I've never been to a national park, man. I, I, would, I would love to do that. Never? Never. Even as a kid. But my is dad. Joshua is, Tree National Park? My dad is like Middle Eastern from Iran. Yeah, go to Joshua Tree. Joshua Tree is awesome. National parks to my dad just weren't like a thing. Like, that wasn't his vibe. And it wasn't for us either. But I mean, I went as an adult. Yeah, I never got to go. I'll hold your hand. I'll take you. Don't, I don't need you to hold my hand, bro. I'll hold you until maturity. I got to be honest. If we were in the forest and a bear saw you and a bear saw me, a bear would think that you are another uh, a predator threat. They yeah, would look and at I'm going ta- like, to look at him like, let's, let's tag team this bitch. Gonna, yeah, no, that's, that's not going to happen, okay? They're going to look at him and go, that's a human. We should stay clear. You are going to be like, that's a homie. I'm going to go talk to him real quick. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he smells just like me. <laughs> oh, man. Well, normally I tell Arun to, you know, bring up some reviews or something. Arun, you back there? <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, no. Come on. <laughs> oh. Can't even hear him laughing. Yeah. 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 Normally I miss, you're... <laughs> I miss his giggle. <laughs> it's a giggle? Is it a giggle or is it like a belly laugh? Yeah. No, it's a giggle. <laughs> Come on. Why are you being so mean? This is more nasally when he laughs. You, can't, you can only make fun of him when he's here. Otherwise, otherwise like... it's mean. I've only had one person ever get upset that made fun of him. Really? Yeah. And I didn't respect that person, so I didn't have a problem with it. Also, <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Wait, so I need I need an update. What's going on what? with the uh, the Rivion? Rivion, uh, October. Uh, so Q4 you roll- delivery. Are yeah. you rolling with it? Is that is that is that what you're going with? I don't know, man. I've seen a lot of the Hummers lately, and I'm like, damn, those are cool. God damn! I saw one at the office parking lot the other day. I was like, that's it. Yeah. This this has to be it for you. That one you took a photo of lives in my neighborhood. Really? Yeah, the matte black one. No, it wasn't Matt Black. Uh, it, was, it, was Matt. it was Silver. Matt Silver or something. Yeah, that's him. Oh, yeah. uh, okay. He just looks oh. black at night. Okay. But um, 
and I don't know, I, part of me, I was talking to my wife, so we're waiting for the max pack, the long range one. I think it's got an estimated like range of 360 miles. The max pack's supposed to have like 450. For the Rivian? Yeah. Okay. Rivian. Gonna say Rivian. Come on, it's Rivian. It's not French, bro. Come on, let's make it classy. Is it a Rivian? Make it classy. Yeah. Does it go fast or slow? <laughs> Where is the space for the baguette? <laughs> trying to make it cool because it has such a small bed. Sometimes you only need a small bed, my friend. <laughs> it's not the size, that's how to use it. <laughs> so I, I'm thinking about, I told Joanna this, uh, we were driving somewhere over the weekend. I'm like, hey, why don't I give you that? And you, I mean, it's it's four doors, right? It's got a truck bed, whatever, blah blah blah. But she she moves stuff back and forth to storage, and she's like kind of into crafting and stuff. So you know, she could she could use that. Plus, it's got a ton of storage, right? You don't need quite the space to the Tesla. And I said, I'll drive the Tesla for a little bit, and I'm thinking like, maybe maybe we trade the Tesla in for something else. Mm. Um, we have free lifetime charging on it, but I heard if you trade it in for another Tesla, they give you six years free. We're not we don't really keep cars longer than two three years anyway. Speaking of train train your car in, I got some car data for you too. That was a segue. That was a segue. I really did not know that. Like that? Yeah. That was uh threw myself a lot. Intriguing. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so in 2018, 60% of used cars were selling for less than twenty thousand dollars. Oh, right? bro, it's not anywhere close to that today, man. Right now, thirty percent. Half. Wow. Less than one percent of all new vehicles. This this number right here blew me away. I could not believe this. Less than 1% of all new vehicles are selling for less than $20,000. Bro, I remember when you could buy a car for five grand. New. Bro, what are we talking? Le- 20 grand? Well, less than 1%. Yeah. What's, go- what's going on? It's inflation, baby. This is according to Edmonds, by the way. Yeah, I, I believe it. I'm just, I'm just telling you, like, this is inflation. What are, what are our kids? What's, I mean, I'm going to have to buy Adam and Aria like $60,000 cars. As you want a, hun- a Honda, son? It's $100,000, bro. <laughs> yeah. Tap into that college tuition fund. Shit has gotten crazy. The amount of like money, we, 14 years of the pumping money into the economy, people have spent so much, the price is stupid. It's ridiculous. Stupid. You know how much the test, uh, the Rivian cost, or in your case, the Rivian costs new now? How much? It's like 104 grand man. for a fucking truck, man. I know. I'm paying like 84, 87 or whatever the hell I, pay, I agreed for it. I'm getting under MSRP. Right. And I feel like I'm getting a deal, but I'm like, it's a fucking truck, man. I can't even justify it, man. I'm going to ride the Jeep so the wheels fall off. I got to get rid of the Jeep, man. My Jeep doesn't hold water anymore. It's got like all sorts of like sounds and shit. Like, oh, really? I love the Jeep. Don't get me wrong. And it's, it's, I got complimented on it. I went to that restaurant, Orange Hill, oh. for my uh, wife's parents' uh, like 40-year anniversary or something. Love the view out there. Don't like the food, though. The food was not good. Yeah. I don't understand. I ordered a ribeye. I was really? like, I could have cooked. I mean, it looked like somebody cooked it on a steak. And like, I cooked it on like the steak on like a, like a, yeah. like a skillet. Yeah. Didn't even like burn the outside or anything. Like it wasn't crisp. Yeah. And just like put it on a plate and just sat there. So like, here you go. <laughs> like, it looked like somebody like who was smoking a cigarette would make it. I swear and, like, they're, it was, they're, it was ban- terrible. they're banking entirely on the view. That, that's all it is over That's here. all it is. And people rolling up in suits and I'm like, this place sucks. What are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, I walked in. I've become such a fucking hobo. I don't know what happened to me. This, I, I, maybe I'm just going through a depression. I don't know. I rolled in with, with like a see-through like t-shirt, yeah. my nipples out, and like like I'm wearing Nike sweatpants. You're just wearing sweats and, everywhere you er, go. Everywhere now. I go now, I'm just wearing sweats. I'm at a point where I've reached critical mass of fuck it. Yeah, like I don't care. Yeah, my, just, wife's, my wife's like, "Are you wearing that here?" And I'm like, and "People are walking in with suits," and I go, "Yep." Yeah. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking some arrogant ass shit too. Yeah. Why? What are you- <laughs> like I'm just like, "Yep." What? 
What are you thinking? Now you motherfuckers got black cards. Oh, <laughs> wow. See, you do it to yourself, man. Oh, it's terrible. But I'm at the point where, like, it shouldn't matter how I'm dressed. And I understand it's supposed to be like a nice restaurant. Yeah. But I'm like, come on, man. I'm trying to be comfortable. Yeah, but you don't like to get you don't like to get dressed, look nice, and no, I do. Not. <laughs> I used to. I don't know what's going on, man. I'm going through like a here's the problem. Nothing nothing fits me anymore because my body type is just you need, you need testosterone full... has changed my shit. Yeah. Like I, it's totally changed my body type. In more ways than one. Yeah, changed all your shits. My my digestive system is fucked up. Yeah. It's a it's a whole thing. But no, I'm 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 dead serious. Like my body has changed in a way that I think is permanent. Like I don't think I'll ever get back down to like the same size as I was. And maybe I just carry more muscle mass this way. And that's I mean, I guess that's part of the reason why you take it, although it wasn't my intention. Mm-hmm. But like none of my clothes fit me the right way. Now because I have to like shop for like I have to like figure out what my new look is. Yeah. A lot of people talk about quiet luxury online, right? Like people wearing like like higher end materials with not luxury designer names on uh, it. Like yeah, quiet yeah. I kind of really dig the vibe of like looser fit clothes mm-hmm. that is it, it's almost like quiet. Like I don't like wearing like like luxury brands. Like I'm not like yeah. like that. I mean, I like my shoes, but you know, some of those are I guess are quiet flexes, if you will. Right. But if you know, you know. Yeah. But I I, I like just simple, like a t-shirt, like a nice pair of pants, like simple. Yeah. yeah. And I know that that's remember, not everybody's cup of tea. I remember when um, we had to start coming back to the office. The first thing I went and did is when I bought four black polos. I'm like, I'm just wearing a black polo to work every day. You do? Yeah. <laughs> I really you do. do. I haven't called you out on it because I'm trying to be gentle. Yeah. You, do you think I'm wearing the same black polo? No, I know no. you're wearing different ones. Yeah. Yeah, I can tell. Too they clean. all got too, stains from where you Too clean eat. for that. Yeah. That's right. The little stains from where you ate. Like I like how we're we dragging the show out for Odin to edit longer. Yeah, this is a punishment. <laughs> you miss a fucking show, brother. You're gonna be editing a four hour episode. Yeah, we love you, Marcel, but Odin, you go edit this shit. This is halftime. Yeah, do we get drinks? <laughs> <laughs> intermission. Let's go. We'll play a little intermission song. Yeah. <laughs> come, we'll just do a wardrobe change and come right back. Oh man, dude! God forbid we had a full like media team. Oh, uh, we would, <laughs> we'd run this guy through the ringer. Oh, I would do all that. So bad. Yeah. So, so bad. All right, let's call it a wrap. All right. Got anything else? No. Uh, I love you. All right. For everyone's sake, hopefully on Wednesday. Say it back, asshole. I love you too. Okay. I didn't seem sincere. Sometimes. Yeah. Most of the time. Most of the time. Hopefully on Wednesday we got that pause and people don't go out and celebrate too much. And don't be an asshole and refer to it as skipping. Yeah. They're pausing. It's a pause. Hopefully it's a stop. But for now it's a pause. We're hoping that it's a stop. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. Good night, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you were listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.